Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am so happy to be back with another episode of Heroes of the Land. Sorry I haven't been posting lately. It's just that uh, about two and a half months ago, I got uh, sick pretty bad and took me a little time to recover. But I am back and better now. As we all know, whenever you open a new business, start a new project, you'll bump into some struggles along the way. But that's okay. You fight through it, you don't give up, and you keep on growing. Ellie and Abby Sapir, the farmers I sat with today, had all the struggles and challenges you could possibly think of full of them at once as they were starting their business, Chavat Yair. But none of that stopped them. We're talking COVID. They just have twins. It was only a year and a half before Shemitah and they're starting a farm. Not only that, an organic farm, which is so much harder than any other thing you could grow. But none of that stopped them. Join along as I sit with them to hear about their incredible life story, Shemitah, and so much more. This episode is brought to you by Karen Hashvias. We will hear more about them later in this video. But now, let's get to it. I'm Israel Yudkowski. You are listening to Foundations Podcast. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, <clears throat> very good place to grow up. I grew up in a modern Orthodox family. Um, and after high school, uh, I came to Israel on uh, a Young Judea program called Year Course. And it was uh, volunteering and learning. And I started to have a real more personal connection with the Torah and with, with mitzvot, and especially the mitzvot pertaining to the land. And I felt that I was inherent. You say when you walk the land of Israel, you're inheriting the land of Israel. So I felt like I was really inheriting the land of Israel and I was inheriting the Torah. And um, it just gave me a push to be who I am uh, and be a stronger Jew and a stronger person. That was the year I started to be in Israel and hike and walk around and really see the nature and really meet the people. And that was a turning point for me because I really... At that point and the year after, I kind of really had a, a, a good sense of, a better sense of what it meant to be Jewish and what it meant to be a Jew living in Israel. And so at that point, it was also Shemitah, and I wanted to do some agriculture, but uh, I don't, it didn't really work out. You know, we were on a kibbutz, and uh, I was washing dishes in the Chater Ochel, and, you know, very little bit on the ground. And so... I went back to America, I did a year of university, and I ended up coming back to Israel, um, that, to work on a farm called Chavave Adam, uh, ecological farm. And there I was studying permaculture, uh, which I'll talk more about later. And uh, there I also got to know Abby. Yeah, that was the year. That was the year. Um, we actually had met very briefly, too, at a, at a music festival the summer before in Tennessee. And uh, we met just for a second. I did Kiddush for her I, on Friday night. Said, anyone want to hear Kiddush? Magical. Magical. Abby came up. <laughs> we met, but uh, didn't see each other after that. And then randomly, uh, through friends, met again here in Israel. Um, and this was about 10 years ago, 12 years More, ago. yeah. 12 years ago now. Yeah. Um, Abby was here in B'Tselel doing, uh, doing art, an art school. Mm -hmm. And 
really from there, um, it was kind of our, the dream started to get formed of um, how we wanted to live our lives, how and what like our connection to the world, what our connection earth. to the earth was. Um, I came here really wanting to learn just to be self-sustaining and to be on a self-sustaining farm, grow our own food, grow our own medicine. And a little bit, at that point, I kind of realized a little bit that uh, there's no such thing as really self-sustaining because you're always in contact with other people and other farms. And, you know, you can do a lot and it's great. But um, started to think more, that made me think more about the community and how you needed to bring other people in. And everyone had a, a different space to do, which is a, a very, um, a concept also um, in, in permaculture and in Judaism that everyone has a tafkid and everyone has a niche. And so we met that year and, and for different reasons, we ended up going back to America. Um, we got married in America. We finished university, both of us, in Chicago. And the dream the whole time was to come back to Israel and to live on the land and to, and to be connected because that's... Um, to our agricultural roots. Yeah, to our agricultural roots. You know, we, we kind of saw there during that time, I kind of realized that Judaism was very connected to agriculture, to the agricultural holidays. You know, we know that all of our holidays um, are connected to agricultural events. Shavuot is connected to the wheat harvest. Hanukkah is connected to the olive harvest. Um, there's the, the Bikurim. There's the dates uh, on Sukkot. And um, so we kind of just realized that the agricultural, and especially agricultural in Israel, was at the very base of um, our tradition. And spirituality. Yeah. So the dream was to come back. And uh, thankfully, you know, during one time, I said, Abby, I'm going to buy the tickets. You know, we're not waiting for a, a pilot trip. You know, we're going to go on a pilot trip and that. And it's, you know, we were just uh, just finished um, college. And I said, you know, we're just going to go on a pilot trip. And we just bought a one-way ticket, basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Having plans, just we're going and we'll make it happen. Um, we, we basically bought a one-way ticket. And we knew that even if you go to Israel for a month, that's only four Shabbos, like to go check out different places and you can't really see what a place is like until you go for Shabbos. You can't connect. Yeah, it's like to really see what it's like. So we knew that, okay, like this is like a pilot trip slash maybe we'll end up staying there. We don't know how long it's going to take or what we want to do. So we live with our cousin for a bit and we um, then, you know, surprisingly, we found... Um, this guy who we met uh, had some mutual friends. He was starting, like, he just got a piece of land. And he said, like, if you could live on a, a piece of land, what would you live in? What structure would you live in? And, you know, we knew the answer. Like, well, we, maybe we live in a dome, a yurt, and how would we build it? And so he said, well, you know, if you could build your own structure, um, then you could come live on this land. So that's what we did. We lived in a geodesic dome for a year. It's actually now posted up on our farm. Um, and this is uh, here in the area? And this no, this shop? was in State Remote. Yeah. Um, near Beit Yeah, near Beit There's a land yeah. called State True. Um, it's um, Svi Rosenberg's land. And we started planting trees there and some herbs and kind of just, just lived there for a year. And it was, it was really beautiful. We got to sleep under the stars. Um, and also, you know, 
at times it was not as beautiful. We had to patch up patches for the rain and like stuff got ruined, but it was such a great experience. And that was actually our first time keeping Shemitah, but it wasn't like our land and it, it was different. We weren't really growing all our own food. We were just kind of starting off and yeah. figuring out oh, where we are in this country, making Aliyah, the whole process is, you know, is quite the mission. But yeah. so that good? was like the start of, of really like our, not really the start, but that was when we, we really started laying some roots and foundation of like in our, within ourselves, like how do we want to live and um, how do we want to connect with the land and nature? Yeah, so. we were, it was a good experience. We were very eager, you know, we just went there first with the tent and, you know, just said, okay, let's get to work. Like, let's work on this project. And um, yeah, we were so eager. We like so much passion yeah. that just we like need to express. It kind of almost happened on yeah. its own. It was just it did. Like, it was practice. Yeah. Like, for sure, for sure, for sure. Just kind of met this guy, <clears throat> met him randomly in an, uh, an apartment. We had a, we had heard about him before, how he wanted to start something. And yeah, we learned a lot. We kind of did, we kind of really didn't take care of ourselves as much, you know, that year kind of focused on the project more than building our own. Um, but it, it was all part of it, yeah. you know. It um, sounds like also when it came to like the whole agriculture and like what the future, you had everything figured out. Like even before you came, it sounds like you knew what you wanted. In a, a way, bit. we don't have anything figured out, but we have figured out like that we know, we definitely had our values figured out. Like we knew how we wanted to live and um, what was important to us and that everything is, you know, a, a spiritual thing for us. And, you know, we know we want to live in a world where we, the veil is lifted and we can really search for truth. So that was all figured out, but like the how and the what and the where, um, you know, still we're figuring that out because right now we're renting this piece of land and we don't know how long we're going to be here for, but, um, you know, actually before this, we were in spot for three years and, and. I was doing an internship, uh, like a glass blowing internship there. Um, I'm an artist. I, I like I used to do ceramics and glass blowing. Right now I'm just painting. You know, we have three kids, so I wouldn't say just painting. These are really beautiful paintings. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's what I'm focusing on: painting and teaching and stuff. Um, but in spot, we like went through many like spiritual transformations, and Ellie kept saying for years, like I just want to grow food. I want to grow food and you know, it's such a mystical, mystical city and so are all the cities, you know, here in Jerusalem. But, um, you know, it's hard to find ourselves in the city. We knew we had to like, you know, just like get mud on us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Connect to the land. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a crazy time. We were like kind of back and forth from the farm and spot for, for half a year. Yeah, until, that was And that, that was also tough because it was during Shemitah. We didn't want to farm. I didn't want to work on a different, you know, uh, something else that was connected to agriculture and because I, you know, I really wanted to, to do the mitzvah and we didn't know what to do. We didn't have any other business. And so we went to Tzfat. Tzfat was yeah. kind of like, a, it, was a, it was a great healing experience for us. Yeah. So it was a very healing city. Transition. They said Tzfat either sucks you in or spits you out. And it definitely sucked us in for, for three years. For yeah. Three years. yeah. And then yeah. We, we came straight here. And uh, at first Ellie was working on another farm and I was kind of like, just like laying more roots with my art and, you know, doing boats and trying to get very serious about business. And, um, well, he actually started, we, the reason why we came to this, cause he went to, um, the agricultural school in Rehovo. Um, but it turns out like it wasn't for him. And for whatever reason we like landed here 
in this Israeli moshav, a beautiful moshav. Um, but, and then we, Ellie was working for another farmer, um, Ben's farm. He's an organic farmer in Tiroche. And, you know, we must be a little bit crazy. We were definitely crazy, I'll tell you that for sure, because we had twins, um, and then we started a farm, and it was COVID, like, all in one. And it was just, like, really intense and a lot. But, you know, we're just people who, we dream big, and then we dream bigger. And it's, like, sometimes, you know, it could be our greatest downfall because we reach for the stars, but, and we reach for things that are impossible. Like, like it's so easy to get stuck on the how, but we really work on not getting stuck in that and surrendering, you know, and as much as it's our greatest downfall, because there's a lot of failure and stuff, we really look at all these, um, all these failures and challenges as opportunities for growth. And so really it's our, I think it's our greatest height, like dreaming big and, um, like there's been so much like support and love. And finally, I think for the first time in our lives, like we have like full support because we're such like passionate people and we have so many different ideas that sometimes you can get pulled in so many different directions. So when you said like you had to figure it out, like it's like we're still figuring it out and trying to hone in because we're we're pulled in so many directions. We want to do a lot of big things. So um, but really, like for the first time in our life, we feel like focused and empowered and like we were like we're in the right direction like we're you know yeah what is it like about the earth and the land obviously here in Eretz Yisrael you know it's Eretz HaKodesh you know the holy land so what what is it you feel that like pulls you and connects you to on such a high level so I think what it is is that I mean Rabbi Shlomo has a quote that when um when you walk out into a forest, um, you get this feeling of freshness. Everything is new. Everything is like after creation, just after creation. You know, when you splash water on your face, when you when you see a baby, you get the sense of like, wow, like this was what the world was like before it was touched. And that was my first um, exposure to it. And I started to um, see Hashem in like a, a really big way, a really big way, like. In, in the growth and just watching growth and realizing that me, myself, and everyone else around us, we're all on this journey of growth, of being a seed, of being a, a small plant, a small sapling, a larger tree, to having fruit of our own. And that, that's like, that's our connection to, to growing and, and, and growing food too, is that you really can engage of this process of growth. And that's like what we're really doing here in this, in this world too, is like, we're getting deep, you know, it's, it's, what we were told uh, before, maybe what we grew up with, you know, it's, it's good and give us like amazing foundation and amazing roots and amazing values. And, but at every point, you know, they say uh, that, you know, uh, all the like the really amazing Rebbe's, like all their Hasidim, like had dynasties of their own, you know, because if you really teach someone well, like they're going to form their good foundations and they're going to really search and ask God and really get deep and find their own path and find what they need to do in this world. So that's kind of what being in nature and started learning about agriculture. Um, it was really also the sense of um, like kind of a slightly different topic too. I started learning about all the um, kind of the ways that conventional agriculture is, is being done uh, with pesticides and um, 
and synthetic fertilizers and monocropping. And kind of the way that I saw the way that it was growing was disconnected from the real growth cycle. And it was uh, being very damaging to the environment. Um, so we knew a certain sense, I was like, wow, you know, we need to change something. You know, I, need to, I wanted to do something in the world and I wanted to connect with something. So that's why we, I started learning more about organic, organic farming, which is not using pesticides, not using fertilizers. It's only using compost, it's using natural techniques, putting the needs of the plant and looking at what the plant needs, uh, not just in terms of nutrients, but in terms of soil ecology, in terms Relationship. of relationships to every other uh, species, to the birds, to the bugs, to other plants. Right, like they're all kind of intertwined in this, you know, it's like the same way that the ice caps or the forests, the Amazon forests are places in the world, like without them, like it really affects the entire world, the whole atmosphere. So the same way, like on a certain farm, like in a, a piece of land, like, like having things or not having certain things will affect the way the whole system works together. So a part of permaculture and organic farming like not even organic farming, but sustainable farming is paying attention to, the, to those relationships and making sure that they're there. Like, so we have um, on our farm, we're growing uh, super greens and medicinal herbs. And um, the super greens are uh, like, you know, um, chard and different kinds of kale, uh, lettuces, mizuna, parsley, cilantro, like different herbs, like za'atar and dill and um, what other stuff like yeah, beets just different and things, green, green onions, onions, celery, like those like real superfoods. So that's what we're focusing on because, you know, they are so filled with so many nutrients and they grow great here. Um, and they have so many vitamins in them, like these leafy greens. So, you know, one thing is just, is to like, you know, make people more healthy, make ourselves more healthy by growing these. And also the medicinal herbs is like lavender and sage, chamomile, uh, calendula, like kind of all those types of things um, that medicine makers and they can make creams out of this and that. So not only is it like health, but it's like very like spiritual to connect um, our, the food that we eat and the plants that we grow with our health um, because it's like super healing and you know, by people connecting to their health and connecting to the earth, then it's like that's when this real spiritual connection starts to flourish because people are connecting to themselves and to the earth on deeper levels and the earth, like we're, like I always think about gravity and stuff and how we're a part of the earth. We're, we have a gravitational pull, we're connected, you know? So just like the plants, like us and the plants are also an ecosystem working together. So we wanna like bring back that you know, revive that lost connection that, you know, in today's age, we're really not connected to the food that we eat and, and to just earth in general, you know, if I had mud on my boots and then we went somewhere for Shabbat to, um, you know, a place that just to the city and the girl asked me like, why do I have mud on my boots? And to me, that felt like such a silly question, but to her, like, it wasn't, I mean, I, I obviously didn't say anything to her like that to make her feel bad, but, but you know, there is a lost sense of, of earth, you know, dirt. And we want to, we really want to bring that connection back, like have be a place for, a local place for community and a place that people can come and groups can, 
uh, reconnect to themselves and to the earth. Sounds very much that, you know, they're organic. They have organic farm is that I'm here for the plants rather than the plants are here for me. I need to make money. So, okay, I'll grow vegetables or wheat or whatever it is. So, okay, what's the easiest and quickest way to do it? So, you know, throw in, you know, all the different synthetic stuff and, you know, whatever it is, because, you know, I can make more money like that. So, you know, it's here for me. But the organic way is more like I'm here for the plants. Like, what do they need? What would be the best way for them to grow? Um, so that's that's really amazing. And uh, what I'm mean, going back, you said also you have, uh, you know, you have the twins and... Corona started and it was probably like a year, year and a half before uh, Shemitah and you decide to go for organic, which I'm sure is much harder uh, than regular. So, I mean, just nothing could stop you. Like, it's just, you know, everything at once. It's not usually like you have one issue and then you kind of get back on track and then another thing comes up. But you had like everything that could yeah. possibly yeah. stop you happen at the same time, but you still decided to just like go all in. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. what was that? Like the decision and the, and how like, what made it happen yeah. just God. who we are yeah. like for in a way like this felt like how to just like hone it in and, and live our dream because we were like if we don't start now then when are we going to start like we have three kids we also have a five-year-old daughter Amuna, and if we don't start now then we might not start for another 10 years 15 years like we don't know you just get so wrapped up in life and it was really intense and like so transformational because you know, like I said before, our challenges, your struggles become your strengths. And so, um, so, so yeah. yeah, it was kind of like we had such a drive that we wanted to do it and we didn't know how, you know, we were living in spot. We were like, oh, should we go find some land now? But, oh, we don't feel ready and we're not ready. Yeah. That. And so it was kind of just building up to this. So really what happened was we came here. We were looking for a place where we could have a small garden. And so we had a small garden here for a year and a half two years, something like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is like going good. There's like plants coming up. Like, Ali, actually... re Ali realized he was a master grower. So I was like, it, it, it's different, you know, and it was like, it was great because coming from spot and an apartment, we were here, I could go outside, you could pick your salad in the morning and and come back inside and, and eat it. And that's like the lifestyle. And um, I guess, I guess uh, about the thing before is that, um, there's like, it was kind of all based too, there's like a Torah about the Mishkan, that every place that we went to in the desert, we had to build the Mishkan, and when we left, we took it down. But we didn't know how long we were there for. Hashem said, go there, we went there, it could have been, we were there for maybe one day, it could have been one day, it could have been a few weeks, it could have been a few years, but we carried everything in there and we built it up, we set it up. So it's, even here, you know, we have like bigger plans also after this, and um, we don't know how long we'll be here, right. but we can't, we couldn't not we can't do wait. it. We couldn't, we knew that Shemitah was coming. We couldn't, we couldn't stop. You know, obviously we learned from our past too. Last time before Shemitah, we just planted a lot of trees and then Shemitah came and we didn't know what we could do to take care of them, if, if anything, you know, and we needed to start, even though that we didn't know how long it was going to be because any sort of experience that you have, you, you get experience and you learn you a learn, lot from yeah. it. And you're still creating something awesome and that um you know we can't we can't wait yeah can't wait in this world the most we had to lose was failure and you know that's a good thing like one of our um we have had a few business coaches or mentors throughout the years and um actually one was my friend and she said like make mistakes and make them fast 
like because once you make them like you're gonna you're gonna learn and you're gonna come better but if you're scared to do anything because you're scared you're gonna fail then you'll never get anywhere and we've had to break through a lot of fears like for us you know it was like not easy like you know, learning how to manage workers and uh, manage the land and manage, you know, oh, I, I, I did 10 and more, family. I wanted, and a family. And I was like, oh, like I, I started 10 more things than, than I can deal with. And you <laughs> learn how to take them out and, yeah. and even just to step back. It's like a big uh, learning curve just to like, you know, you want to put yourself all into something. But when you realize that it's too much for you, you got to learn how to step back a little bit and yeah. reassess Slow and rewind. Down. And that's why Shemitah is great. Also, yeah, honestly. it's a blessing for us too in, in that kind of way. Because um, it's giving us the time and space to really look at the land. Like even pay attention to certain physical things like where does the land slope? What parts get flooded more? Where can we build uh, dig trenches and make ponds to help the other parts of the land um, drain better? Like just little things like that that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Those are things that we pay attention to in, what in weeds are What weeds are growing in, that, in, certain, in that, certain areas, because yeah. those can mean a lack or a boost in certain nutrients and yeah. uh, types of the families of the plants. So, so yeah, it's really beautiful, actually, a beautiful experience because it's like we're like in Shabbos, you know? And like you said before, how did you just like do it and keep going? It's like on Friday when you're tired and we're all tired at the end of the week, you know? Um you just, you don't have a choice. You're like, oh, shop is coming. I gotta like cook, clean, do whatever. And you just somehow get the energy even though you had no idea how you're gonna do it. So it's like the same thing like doing it before and then you're in Shabbos. So now we're like in our year of Shabbos and we're working really hard, you know, um, in so many other ways. Like Ellie has another job now. I'm working really hard on my art business and thank God it's busy and I'm teaching and stuff. Um, and we're also trying to move forward on the farm too, like with business plans and this and that. We're building kinda, infrastructure. Yeah, we're building infrastructure because we want it to be also like a little retreat center that people can do meditation retreats or um, groups can come, you know, youth and camp out for a night and learn and volunteer and build something, you know. And get some mud on their boots. Exactly. Yeah. Um, people that. want that, you know. Yeah. So we we're building up the infrastructure for that this year so back to that topic really the whole thing is like we want to bring people back to the land and like yeah you really see like when you see something grow you're like wow like Hashem just made that grow like there's growth in the ground and there's I there's, remember there's a couple of weeks happening. ago that was a little seed like what just happened yeah. here now it's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's 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 incredible and then you know when you see it and when you eat it and um yeah also when you get when you know, people like actually touch the earth um, or walk on the earth. There's a certain emotional response that happens and you feel something inside of you like open up. So and it, it's not always explainable or it's, sometimes it's faint, but it, it is there whether people notice it or not. So it's it's like doing something and we want that to us. That feels like it's our part of bringing Mashiach is, um, you know, giving people the the like an open door to this connection to like grow in their spirituality and um yeah i can talk a little bit about the name Chavatiyar. um it's kind of based on a, a torah by rabbi nachman and um and in this torah he talks about how to avoid opposition uh basically 
to create peace in this world, you need to be humble like the earth. You know, just as the people take a lot from the earth and the earth doesn't step back, people step on the earth all day, um, you need to be humble. You need to be humble when, when faced with challenges, when faced with opposition. And from that, being humble, you're creating peace. And when there's real peace in the land, then Hashem's light flows freely. And he says, really, this is in the month of ER. And the month of ER is when the medicinal plants are receiving their highest their, potency. High, yeah, highest potency. They're, they're reaching peak vitality during the month of ER. And when there's peace in the land, Hashem can really send healing powers through these plants, you know? And, um, and ER is also an acronym of Ani Hashem Rofecha. And Rabbi Nachman brings down that, it, that it's also an acronym for when our enemies will turn around and, and, and leave. Um, and so this whole Torah is about really opening up, being humble like the earth, and allowing, um, I guess, making the vessels for Hashem's healing light to really fill this world. Mm. That's uh, why we're called yeah, Chabat Iyar. Chabat Iyar. <laughs> yeah, it's, in short, yeah, so. it's so amazing that it's not just, oh, hey, what should we name it? Okay, let's give it a cool, yeah, catchy right. name. It's, it's like, catchy too, right? So the, the whole thing is, is, is like also about connecting, so like the name as well. It, it's, it's, yeah. all, like it's all yeah. connected, everything. Yeah. We wanted the land to be like a source yeah. of healing and yeah. people to, and to grow healing plants. So we're growing medicinal herbs uh, for teas and for... Um, other medicinal applications and just to grow people's food and medicine and have people be connected to it and and they just, for them to know where it's coming from too yeah. sorry like to yeah. know where yeah. they're like people who we were selling to the neighboring moshavs like for them to get something that's picked the day of or for like a herbal medicine maker to really know where they where you know their calendula is coming from if they want to put in a cream it makes a world of a difference. Like to us, quality is really important in life in general. Uh, was there anything when you started that you had to like already start dealing or, you know, have Shemitah in consideration? Or just like you started and we said, you know, when Shemitah comes, we'll deal with it then. Well, it was always in our minds. It was in our minds. Um, I guess, a, a uh, little bit of both, I'd say. Yeah, we, we, we had a plan and we started planting things. And um, herbs, they, they grow bigger. So we had to get a lot of them in the ground so they could just do their thing and grow bigger. It's not like you have to replant them. Some but we weren't, we weren't able to plant everything before Shemitah no as far as that. <laughs> we kind of had a whole plan. And I guess before we realized, like, don't plant too much. Plant too much before Shemitah because when Shemitah comes, like, you're not really going to be on top of it as much you know you you can't do you can't weed around the plants you can't make sure they're doing well were there any like challenges or any things that like you needed to do to prepare before yeah for sure we, yeah we had this whole with this whole vision to plant to get all the herbs in the ground before so, okay the herbs yeah. will take like two years to reach you know two three years to reach uh, peak 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 growth so Planted before Shemitah, and they'll grow during Shemitah, and then after Shemitah, we'll have organic certification and be able to sell stuff. And um, it didn't really go as planned, you know. Um, we did of, get a lot, a lot of herbs in, but yeah. you know. Yeah, we got a lot in before, and we were still kind of um, we had a lot going on with the vegetables too. You know, we built this whole greenhouse uh, around this time last year, and. 
So to, yeah, to, plant, to plant, to plant, to plant, to plant vegetables in there uh, is, is to make it a shade house. We built a shade house, and we're going to plant vegetables in there so they'd be ready in the summer. And uh, after that, still do all the shemitah preparations. And that everything kind of took longer. So by the time we got the vegetables in, it was like, well, like we're going to be able to sell them just for a few weeks before Rosh Hashanah. It was a very challenging year in terms of like um, COVID also. Um, because our kids were home a lot and we had the twins and it's like, I don't know, by the end of the day, you're just like not seeing straight. Um, having twins is, is pretty intense. It's awesome. But, you know, sometimes they just make tornadoes around the house. And so, you know, I like to be out there in the field with Ellie a lot. Um, but I was inside and we knew stuff had to come. So we we're kind of dividing and conquering. He was out there and I was inside. It's very difficult for both of us because we were both kind of taking care of this, like, you know, me, these three kids, like, obviously, Ali's taking care of yeah. the kids, too. But, you know, and then he's out there taking care of this whole piece of farm. And there's so much to do for both of them. Um, and while still trying to take care of ourselves and not really seeing family. So it was definitely very challenging. Um, but, you know, it was a challenging year for everybody. It's been quite a journey over the past few months at Karen Hashvis. With Shemitah on the horizon, we span the land of Israel, reaching out to hundreds of farmers, urging them to commit themselves to leave their fields. With the promise of support, thousands of farmers pledge to lay down their tools and submit themselves to a higher calling. At the same time, fundraising efforts were launched across the globe for a call to partner with the heroic farmers. Chloe's Rawl answered the call and came through like never before. And then, in the twilight hours of the new year, farmers on 363 settlements walked away from their fields. They did the impossible. They abandoned their land and gave up their livelihood. We reached a historic milestone. For the first time in almost 2,000 years, 51% of privately owned Jewish agricultural land is lying fallow. The achievement is unprecedented, but we're far from done. We raised enough for the farmers to commit, but it's not enough to get them through the full year. If we don't continually support the farmers, some may buckle under the burden. The sacrifice may become too large, too heavy, and they may not be able to pull through. The farmers still need our support. We gave them our word. We won't let them down. You're saying before how everything's connected. It's not just, oh, there's one thing and there's another thing and there's this plan and the birth, like everything in nature and, you know, halacha and Torah, like, Everything is really, you know, creates this one big picture. Mm -hmm. So, like, how do you see Shemitah, uh, you know, and obviously these are the challenges, the Nisim, and, you know, everything around that. Like, do you see it fit into, like, oh, the big yeah. picture? Yeah, 100%. I see a lot. There's a, there's a lot it's to say on that. for the land. Yeah, it's, um, you know, really, like, okay, um, it was a traditional practice. You know, it's, it used to be to, to leave the, let the land rest. Um, because when you aren't farming the land, you're... Uh, the natural grasses are growing and bringing nutrients back up and returning it to the topsoil. 
Um, so it was kind of like a natural practice to let the land rest. But even in the sense of like modern agriculture said, oh, we know what's right for the land. And even organic agriculture and sustainable agriculture a little bit because we're trying to make the land as much like nature and be able to self-sustain as possible. But Shemitah comes and um, it's a really great reminder that even though we might have uh, a lot of yeda, a lot of knowledge, we don't really know what's right for the land. Right. And, and it's not really ours. It's not it's really ours. It's not ours to play with. It's not ours to profit from it. And, um, you know, even though I had this, this, that mindset going in to the, to the farm that, oh, you know, um, um, plant husbandry, you know, these plants are coexisting with us for thousands of years and we're creating an environment for them. Even even that, it quickly, it didn't really turn into, but like having a farm and having a business, I started having to think about how much can I grow and where am I going to sell it? And Shemitah is an amazing uh, point to really connect us back to why we're doing this and what the source of that the land is not ours. It gives that you a breather. It gives a breather. We're existing in this, this coexistence evolution of the land and of the plants and of the people. And it's time for us to step back and, and see all the brachas that are coming to us uh, through the land and also coming to us through not working the land. Yeah, and it's, it's also yeah. like, you know, the same ways that we work all week and then on Shabbat, like we give our bodies a rest and we need it. We really do. Um, so in the same way, it's like we're working, working, working the earth and then it's just like giving it a rest and... It's having respect for it too. Like this is, Hashem says, this is what the earth needs. And this is his creation. So like we're doing that, you know, and we see a great value in it. Um, We think that like on a physical standpoint, it's going to do a lot better after having this rest and be able to naturally grow what it grows and just kind of like do its thing. So, um, so we, yeah, we, we think it, we see how it really makes a lot of sense you know, it's not just doing this thing and not knowing why we're doing it. Um, you know, we'll never we'll never fully know why certain things. But we like when you keep Shabbos, you see like the benefits of it and how amazing it is. So we think I think we think the same thing about Shemitah. Yeah, we didn't have any second guesses about Shemitah. We said, okay, it's Shemitah. Wow, it's going to be crazy. We're going to grow all this stuff, and then. What are we going to do with it and, and that? And um, You should show them some parsley. Like some of our stuff growing this year is is like parsley leaves like this big, you know, chard leaves this big. Yeah. They're wow. they're just growing from last year. Yeah. And it's free for people to take and we're enjoying eating it. We're grateful that like it's still going and it's still doing good, you know, Yeah. without we had, doing any, yeah, we haven't we all doing these, anything. To yeah, it. I was just about to ask you if you experienced any Nisa, but it sounds like. In yeah. anything around Shemitah. I mean, yeah, at the end of, well, one, before when I was like, we're talking about like the greenhouse and planting stuff, I thought a lot of the stuff would take a couple months to get ready. But after like four weeks, you know, there was lettuces, there was kales, there was tons of stuff was coming up and it was growing really, really fast. So fortunately, we got a few months of um, selling those vegetables before. And at a certain point towards the end of the summer, stuff got a little hot and tired and buggy. And a lot of the stuff, you know, we had a bed of kale and a few things that were just like, you know, it's, it's a goner, you know, we're not going to touch it anymore, not anything, just, just kind of left it. And I think you cut it down. But I, I even, I even, yeah, I even cut it, it, mowed it a little bit, but it didn't, didn't kill the plants. The plants were still alive. And 
also at the start of this year, we were like, what are we going to eat? You know, we have no, everything was kind of done. You know, we could start harvested for a few weeks. And at the beginning of the year, I was like, I was like, wow, like, I wish I just cut everything down before and tarped it off. And so, so we didn't have to did have it. so many weeds and, and everything because it's gonna, just going to get crazy in the greenhouse and all over the it field. And, 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 and once the rains started coming, the, the plants perked up and had new growth. And there was a whole bed of kale that we did, we were walking one day and we didn't even know it was there. Like, wow. Like, and so now we like have yeah. so much kale and so much of all these things. It's stuff it is flourishing on its own without on us, own. without us doing anything. And we're really grateful that the, that the stuff that we're, that we're able to pick and, and share with people, it's, it's, it's growing and it's, um, you can feel it, you know, you can feel it when you walk out on the land, you can feel that it's Shemitah, you can feel that it's, you can feel the energy and, and even more too when if, if, if you're, if you're eating uh, the food that's Kedusha Shvit, you feel that Kedusha you feel, you feel that Kedusha and you feel really present and one of my big connections with Kedusha is that like, you know, Kedusha, it's, some people say it's, it's far out, you know, the Ishpitzer brings it, people say that the Kedusha is far out, like, it means like far out, your holy means far out, like, I can't touch it, you know, it's, it's too holy for me, I'm, I'm over here and holiness is over there, but the Ishpitzer brings it, being holy is really being here, and being here now, and being present, and so that's what I feel when we're connecting with the, with the Shemitah produce, because it's different than a, a Sidur that always lasts and a Sefer Torah that lasts and it has the Kedusha and you keep it. The Shemitah produce is only there from when you pick it until it rots on its own. So you have a very and, limited and time. And for one year only. Yeah, and only for one year. So when you're eating this, this produce, you have to engage it in a Kedusha and you have to be really there. And you have to be really focused on, wow, like Hashem blessed us with this. Hashem's given us... Um, giving us nutrients, he's giving us food, and you feel special. You yeah. feel special. Yeah, it's like if the same plant that you have during Shemitah, then all of a sudden, like after Rosh Hashanah, when it's not Shemitah anymore, like the plant all of a sudden technically is not Kedusha anymore. Like Unless, saying, unless it's trees, yeah. Unless so it's trees, but let's say, you know, we're eating this chard from this plant, and it's the end of the Shemitah year, and we're eating it, and it's Kedusha, and then all of a sudden, like, Shemitah's over, like... The same plant, all of a sudden, it has That's a different interesting. It's not like a sitter is, is holy and it's holy. Like, no matter, like, even yeah. if a page yeah. rips out, it's not like, oh, now it's not part of the sitter, so it's not holy. Like, no, it's still holy. You need to put it in Geniza. Yeah. But, like, the plant, it's like, it's the exact same plant. I also, just something else just popped into my head, because, like, now that, like, we're in Adar, and Adar's the last, like, the last month of the year, we're um, kind of in this birthing process. We're, like, in the canal before we're, like, in Nissan, like, rebirthed again. So in the same way, it kind of feels like that's what Shemitah is in Shabbat because it's the end of the cycle before we're kind of like starting a new cycle and it's like really bringing it all in and reflecting and, and like understanding and giving it space um, to really connect to it. So it's like interesting. Now we're sitting here in Adar and talking about it, you know? Yeah, Chodesh yeah, Tov. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah Chodesh Tov. Yeah. We're extra yeah, we have a and... double Adar this year. I know. Even better, yeah. <laughs> But this morning, we were talking about how when there's two otters, we don't always fully feel it in otter olive, but the second otter bet hits, like, I just, like, this felt this joy. I really felt it, like, that I had, like, tears coming because it was so beautiful. And now it's time to heal through joy, like, this month. 
So um, it's nice to be sitting here with you guys. First, uh, just in general, the in the Moshav here, like how many more or less, how many people are keeping Shemitah? And also, if you would have the opportunity to talk to someone who isn't keeping Shemitah today, what would you tell him to try to, you know, convince him to, to keep Shemitah? Surrender and trust. and trust. And that was kind of a big thing for us because, you know, when everything like gets, you know, when you have big dreams, usually what happens is like you have dreams and you make steps and stuff starts to kind of fall into place, uh, hopefully. And then all of a sudden you get hit with your you first get, challenge. You get hit with a challenge or everything's just too big and you can't juggle everything. And so at that point with the farm too, we had to learn how to just surrender. We just said, okay, we, we started something and something's happening. And then Shemitah comes and it's like, too, it's like, you just, what was the saying? Like, you just got to get, sometimes you just have to get out of the way. You know, yeah, Hashem wants something for you. And, and, you know, if, if, you, if you're, if you're a farmer and, and if you're a farmer and you're growing and you want to, you want to do something good for the land of Israel and you want to do something good for the agriculture in the state of Israel and um, the Kedusha of the land, it's to, to surrender a little bit. And it's, it's very tough to stop everything and having to think about, oh, how are you going to make money this year? How are we going to eat this year? What's going to happen? And just say, you know, yeah, sometimes we have to get out of the way. Um, yeah, so we can, like, it's like, you need to get out of the way so you can meet the the real you, you know? So that's what the kind of surrender is all about. Yeah. Just like letting go and like, you know, riding the waves of life and trusting that Hashem has a great plan for you. And if something didn't work out, I mean, something better is coming. And when you, when we live that way, it's such a better feeling. Like we're not, there's less resistance and like good things flow to us and there's been so much Shefa and so much support and so much like, you know, beauty and, and growth. Um, of course, it's been like super emotional, but we really try to practice this idea of surrender and letting go. Uh, it's, it's all like having a Munah, you know, um, when we have a Munah, everything just flows. And when we're, it's like we're living in gratitude versus living in like fear or, you know, complaining uh, or not like having things in perspective. So it really puts things in perspective. And I think I would tell someone else who, who asking for advice, like, you know, let's say it was another farmer about, you know, whether or not they should keep Shemitah. I would say like, like, do you want Mashiach to come? You know, because in a way, like Mashiach is not everyone's thinking about every move that they do. Is this going to bring Mashiach? And we want to help people get into that mindset because we're so close. Like it's really like at our fingertips. And so we think about like, is it, is this going to help bring Mashiach? And if the answer is yes, then like we're doing it. Like there's no question about it because what are we essentially here to do? So I would kind of say something along those lines. And what is it now that, you know, we're already halfway through Shemitah. So how how are you getting through the year you know with money in the house and you know i'm sure so just keeping you know the whole farm and i don't know if there's rent and insurance and like all these stuff and and you just built a business it's not like the business is you know you have to save up money and like you just put in all the money and but now you need a way to full 
another full year yeah. to, to see the income. So how, like, how are things happening? That's our joke. That's the funny thing. Because people always say, like, how are you uh, living? And, like, to tell you the truth, like, you know, we're, we're living in a foreign country. We have three young kids. We moved to a place. We're trying to, we started a new, like, our parents we're, aren't here. We're two, we're, like, business, like, uh, independent at, business. Yeah, independent business. Like, it was already a challenge for us to make money. And thank God, you know, we're, we're putting in the real stepping stones to, like, and foundations for our businesses to grow. And, like, they are. But so, you know, Ellie's working another job now. I'm working on the art business. For two months, he helped me with the art business and got a lot of stuff organized. Um, you know, so that's better. But, you know, we got, we got a grant and that's how we were able to build the greenhouse. And yeah, and all the money we made just went back into the business. So it's a challenge anyway, the first few years you start something. Yeah. So we, we only like, we only talk from experience because we've been through the, like, the point of almost giving up so many, you know, times, so many yeah. times and that uh, so many challenges. And oh, wow, the whole field is flooded. You know, I'm losing a quarter of the crops. And, Doing this, oh, uh, I can't. We can't sell any chard today. Uh, grasshoppers ate all of it. Or something like that. Or yeah. Or the 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 celery turned bitter because um, we didn't harvest it. Fast we didn't harvest it fast enough, and it started flowering. Like you know, there's so many um, challenges yeah. in general. So, but but so this year it's it's definitely difficult, and you know we're kind of always at this flexible point of okay, what are we going to do now? Now now what? You know. Um, now what's next? What's next? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? So yeah, I, I took a job by, uh, uh, also a, a friend who's on the Moshav, a local artist, um, doing, um, making stained glass windows. It's really cool. And, uh, helping Abby a lot with her art business also, because her art business is also about, uh, inspiration and it's, it's one we can, uh, share the light in this world. And I really believe in her art too. Really? So yeah. Um, we want to be able to take it to the next level. You know, Abby helped me a lot with the farm last year, and and so this is my year to He's help her a little bit this more. This is my year. This is her year uh, to help her a little bit more uh, with with her work. And there's also stuff to be done on the land. Um, our time is a little limited now, but we're starting to bring volunteers to build infrastructure to uh, build a Set up the space. yeah build up um. Herb drying space, yeah. a compost toilet, uh, a space water, like uh, drinking water and everything. So people are able to really come there and um, also see Shemitah and see, see a farm that's observing Shemitah. And after that, just kind of be able to create a place that's for healing and that people yeah. can come and be who they are, be who they are and be in nature. And if they have a project to go and do it. So we're still working we're still very much involved and it's, it's really tough. I mean, that was at a certain point this year. It was like, just like, it was like, wow, like we need to, we can't just like, we, we need, need to find money. other work. We need to make money. We need to support our family. Um, you know, we tried like the farm. It didn't really make so much of the money last year. We had a lot of expenses um, and we're still in debt from it a little bit, but thank God, like we actually see that people want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, people, people are donating money. money for, I mean, we're not using for living expenses. It's all like in a PayPal account for farm materials and infrastructure. And we were trying to raise money for also like a mini tr small scale tractor so we can, I mean, we're a no-till farm, but like so we can um, 
kind of just like mow certain areas, be able to lift things, um, stuff like that, dig if we want. Yeah. So that will really help us move to the next level. But and they're very expensive, like more than you would think. So, but people have been like, you know, donating, and, and we're like, wow, people really do. They believe they think in our it's dream. Great, what we're doing, so. and and that's honestly what keeps us going, um, because. You know, you, you can go either way. Everyone tells you what you're doing is wrong. Like, either you're like, I'll show them. Like, you can kind of use that energy. Or, like, people are really supporting you. And so we, we have that full support, and it feels really great. And yeah. it's empowering. And, you know, we, we actually feel very honored and privileged to, to, be, to perform this mitzvah. I know, we're also oh. very supportive of, yeah. of, I was saying of Karen, Karen Ashvit. Yeah. And that... Um, one, they gave us a lav chizik to, to engage in the mitzvah of Shemitah. To, I mean, it wasn't a question for us before, but they gave us a lot of, um, a lot of support of having a whole, whole organization that's helping farmers through this, through this time. Um, yeah, they gave us they, a little yeah, you know, stipend. They helped, uh, they helped the, us financially. Helps, yeah. And they helped us financially and are just helping us with support and being able just to talk about the farm and talk about what's going on still makes us feel like we're moving forward. Yeah, because it's like in a weird way, we never thought, you know, that we'd get so much publicity through Shemitah. Like it wasn't like a thought. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, you know, getting our farm out there into the world and letting people know what we're doing and, and the space that we're creating. And even if we move somewhere else, it's still going to be there because it's like with us and our thing. Um, but what I was saying before was that it's such a small percentage of people. It's not, and I said this the other night at the, I don't know if you were at the Karen Street, was that it's not just Jewish farmers. It's Jewish farmers living in Israel only can perform this mitzvah. It's like, so it's a very small amount of people that, and, and there's less and less farmers these days, actually. It's a very small amount of people that are given the opportunity to perform this mitzvah. So it's like, it feels really empowering and makes us feel like unique and special that we're part of this small niche and small family of farmers, like really doing it. And at the event the other night at the Karen Ashfield event, there was over a far- hundred farmers' wives um, there who were keeping Shemitah. I think this year is the first Shemitah that more farmers are keeping it versus not. There's, there's over, it? yeah, over 50% of it's basically the way they calculate is the amount of land because. You could have, let's see, there's a farmer who has 22,000 dunam of land, and then there's farmers who have like 10 dunam. So 10 dunam versus 22,000 dunam. So basically the way they calculate it is based on the amount of land that that is resting, and if it's over 50%, something like 51 or wow. 52% wow. that is resting. The, I mean, probably the first mm-hmm. time since, since you know, like 2,000 years ago that the Jews were in, a, in you know, went into Gullis that over 50% of the land of the you know agricultural uh, Jewish owned land. She said, "Yeah, in Israel. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so it's like it's incredible that because you know they say there was always growing up you've heard oh when everyone keeps Shabbos, Mashiach's gonna come. So like in a way that's why so many people think it's so important to to do Shemitah because actually I think it was the Vilna Gon I learned this the other night said that. <laughs> Um, the end of the seventh year during Shemitah, like that's when Mashiach's gonna come. So yeah, but So it's like, please, yeah. please Hashem. Yeah, it definitely, definitely <laughs> is a really special mitzvah. Like, 
first of all, like you mentioned, there's like such a small amount of people who who actually have this, you know, unique opportunity, opportunity yeah. to to keep the mitzvah. And also, it's it's very like it's very interesting to me how it's not only that like any farmer you ask who keeps Shemitah, like he has incredible stories of Nisim that happen and like just can't explain it, how they get through the year and how the year before and the year after just things grow so much more and better uh, than usual. But it's also like, on the other hand, farmers who don't keep Shemitah, there's so many stories that their stuff got damaged. It's like, oh, it's yeah. not only, yeah, there was the famous one, uh, the bananas up north. Basically what happened, there was, you know, bananas are near Tveria, a very great land to grow bananas. And there was, you know, some of them keeping Shemitah, some of them not. And one night there was a crazy storm. It was really cold and, you know, you put a banana in the freezer, it turns brown. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what happened to all of these banana wow. fields. They just froze, everything turned brown. The farmer who was keeping Shemitah, bright yellow bananas. And literally, there's a path, one side brown bananas, one side bright yellow bananas. Oh like, it's Incredible. it's so, and there's many stories. It was like different fires that happen, and then like, the fire just happened to stop right before, you know, like right when it got to the farm that was keeping Shemitah. And there was also, you know, many years ago with the locusts. That was, was just going from, you know, Moshav to Moshav and just eating up all the crops and everything. Then it just, like, skipped out. I think it was Komias. This was, like, one of the first for Shemitah, like, many decades ago. That, like, Komias was basically the only place that was keeping Shemitah. Wow. And it just, like, just kind of, like, skipped over Komias and kept on going. Like, wow. it's, like, there's so many, you know, also Nisim to who keeps Shemitah, but also who doesn't keep Shemitah, like, it's, like, I'm you see it, it's so clear, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, like, I think, like, more than probably almost any other mitzvah, like, I can't think of another mitzvah, like, it's just so clear to see people who keep being versus people who don't keep, like, the way it's, like, it, it really is a very, very special mitzvah. Wow. And you mentioned this, so, like, Karen and Shvi, like, did they reach out to you, did you reach out to them, like, how that all works? And... So, it was actually great, because, um, I, uh, I met a friend here who lives in a neighboring Moshav, um, and, and, and he also comes from an agricultural family, and he's like, oh, you know, he knew I started, I told him I started a farm, and he said, oh, are you in touch with Karen Ashvit, or, you know, help us meet? I was like, oh, I have no idea, I have no idea what's going on, and he put us, um, he, you know, he showed, he sent me a number, and and I called and someone came out to the farm and we had a you know very nice discussion and and showing him the land and 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 he signed us up and um, we got a free sign and we got a free sign and we got uh, some financial financial support so yeah I don't I, I don't think he even knows you know how big of a mitzvah he did just by telling us that there's this organization that, that helps people because we didn't really know you know first of all we came to this moshav it's completely Israeli moshav our Hebrew is not the best. Um, and it was a, definitely a challenge of, um, like just like not knowing anyone, not yeah. having no resources, not really knowing what to do, um, uh, not knowing the community. And so we're really, really grateful for the people who have helped us. And, yeah. Um, like emotionally too, you know, and that's huge. Yeah. Cause it's like, kind of like all alone and they have like, they're like rooting on the side, you know? So it feels good. It keeps you going, you know? Karen Ashvit and... Yeah, and all the people. Yeah. 
yeah everyone's rooting for us so it's we like, have i mean probably you know thousands of people worldwide who are donating and helping and supporting like just to know that you know yeah. people all over the world are like are behind you and supporting you it yeah. uh, must be a huge help yeah and i'll say too that we're thinking of of all of israel too of land of israel all the people live here and also all the 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 jews that are outside of israel that you know that they should also feel like that they're keeping Shemitah, you know, just by not even if they don't have land, not even if they don't have a, a potted plant in their house or on their on their merpeset, um, they should also feel like that they're just by kind of thinking about us and saying that, oh, well, you know, there's some people here in Israel keeping Shemitah, not even the money, not even anything. We're, we're feeling immense support from that. Because, um, you know, five years ago, when we talked about our dreams, everyone said, you're crazy, you know. Everyone, you know, we they said you guys need to focus. You need to, you need to go to school. You need to, you know, do things. And 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 we kept dreaming and we kept going. And just, back then it was a will show them. Now it's the opposite, mm. you know. Now it's the, <laughs> now it's the opposite. The feeling supported. Yeah, feeling you know? supported. So just everyone, everyone that's out there, that's that even just watches this video or or watches something to do with Karen Ashvit, we feel the good energy. Um, and we're really, really grateful. Yeah. For that. So, thank you. So, no, thank you for thank you. you know bringing this out into the world because also, it's a form of education. That's what Karen Ashvit is also doing because you know growing up in America. I mean, I grew up in a very Zionistic home, B'nai Kiva. So you know, I knew about stuff in Israel, or or it was like after high school you go to Israel, you know. So I had that connection already. But even so. It's like when you think about keeping Shemitah, like growing up, you might think that's something they did in the ancient day. Like people don't really do that these days. Like, and that's what a lot of people actually think. So people are being really educated that like, no, this is like a real thing. It's not just something that like our ancestors maybe did. Like, it's possible. It's, yeah, it's possible and it's real and it's and it's really going on. It's not just like thinking like, oh, people in robes are doing that or something, you know? Yeah, yeah like so. farming in general, like, oh, like, like, it's like, oh, like, you know, you're learning Tanakh, you're learning Mishnah, so like, you know, you hear about these, well, you hear about a bunch of stuff, like, you know, like all this stuff about uh, if an animal, it's your animal, like, I don't have any animals, like what I've been talking about here, you know? Like, oh, so it's not, you know, it's Torah, what well, we could learn right, from right. it and everything. Yeah. But, and especially even seems, in America, yeah. so even the mitzvah of Shemitah, even for the people who are like involved a little bit in agriculture and do, you know, a little bit, they don't have the mitzvah of Shemitah. So like even those, the small amount of people who do like more live and much more know about this type of stuff, like Shemitah is even less because they're not there. And it's also only one in seven years. Once in yeah, seven years, it's not. For real. It's not yeah. every. It seems foreign. And someone was also telling me the other day that, you know, specifically in Israel, like, I know, like, sure, like, Arabs have a lot of jobs, but also, like, Jews are working a lot of jobs that, you know, that they wouldn't work in America, like, you know, the farmers, the garbage people, construction, the construction, like, everything. these are all Jews working, uh, you know, these jobs, and, you know, in America, it's not necessarily like that, like, you know, it's like, we are the people, like, making this country together, we're doing all the jobs, like, that need to get done, you know? So uh, just to finish off, I would say one last thing, maybe if you would, I mean, you have the opportunity to tell someone who doesn't have this mitzvah, but what would you just tell them and share with them something that you learn and gain and feel from the mitzvah of Shemitah that you think that 
like you could only gain from actually keeping Shemitah. I just think that I guess that when you t I guess taking a step back, right? Like when you take a step back, you can take two steps forward. Is that what you're gonna say? No, but that's good. <laughs> um, when you take a step back, you you really can understand things in a bigger picture, and uh, in a bigger light. And you lift the veil. You lift the veil. You know, a lot of times we think that we know what's right for us and for our lives, and when we step take a step back from thinking that we know what to do, when we know what to do with the land, we really open up a space for Hashem's chesed. You, and know, you open space it. up in your heart for, for Hashem to send mercy and Hashem to send light. And just, you know, um, I would tell other people, you know, listen, like, you, you, do what's, you do what's right for you, you're connected to Hashem, you're, you're looking for your right path. And for us, this is what's worked, you know. We knew that we didn't have a question, that, 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 this was right for the land, and it was right for us as farmers, and it was right for us as a, as a society in general to, to, to take a step back, to share the resources. This is a big part of Shemitah is about sharing. Yeah. That everything is hefker, and that we're meant to share, and we're meant to help other people. Um, we're meant to help those that don't have as many resources as us. So take a step back, think about what you can do for, for someone else, and um, just know that the more that you give, the more you've got to give. You know, you keep on giving, Hashem's going to send you more light um, to do what you need to do in this yeah. world. And that, um, you know, through, through such a powerful mitzvah, and like, if it's someone also we're talking to that already keeps mitzvahs and they understand uh, the idea of like gaining connection, feeling closer to Hashem through doing mitzvahs. So, you know, through doing this mitzvah, I've never felt closer to Hashem and you know every year it just keeps feeling more like that because that's the path we're on but I really feel that particularly keeping Shemitah has like lifted the veil in so many ways because you know we all walk around with visors and even if I think my veil is lifted there's always more um, filters that I need to lift through and and wake up you know. So in a sense, like we're, we're listening, we're able to listen and we're able to slow down and wake up and see what's really real and what the truth is. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. So if yeah. you could just uh, love if you could give uh, me and all the listeners a bracha. Yeah. So I want to give you, you um, and, everyone. and everyone here, all Claudia Israel and the whole world that we should learn how to, to step back and we should, we should open ourselves up and know that Hashem's like, He's really trying to send us so much light and so much clarity in what path to take and what to do and how to be ourselves in this world and how to bring Mashiach in this world. So I, I mean, I really just bless everyone that you grow really deep. You grow really deep to your soul. You grow really deep to the earth to your tough kid in this world and, and trust that Hashem is going to show you your tough kid and how you can be a little Mashiach, how you can bring Mashiach in this world. So I want to bless everyone that just by stepping back and by reconnecting and refocusing, we're able to make that space for Hashem to show us the light. Right. And I want to add to that bracha that that light should shine so bright within us all that it should always be there and always 
we should always have access to it and it should be so bright that anyone we come in contact with this light feels it too that we can share our light with the world and that you know we can really just have compassion on ourselves and on others like to like stop seeking for acceptance from the rest of the world and at the same time stop judging other people um that we should just you know radiate love and compassion and torah and chesed always and, look for the good points yeah it's always see the good other points. people and, and you know yeah you'll do that also is keep lifting other people up too yeah so. and just to be in an inspired state we should all be blessed to be in an inspired state and be a source of inspiration for ourselves and others and because you know that inspiration is is the drive to make change so you know it's really important that we all stay inspired and um you know just be joyous have peace in our amen. hearts and our homes amen well so. thank you very very much for your time thank you really appreciate it thank you for inspiring us uh, and yeah hope uh, you have much tzlacha with your business and and with everything around thank you you yeah. too we're very impressed uh, you know that you guys are doing this podcast and we think it's awesome and you should just have so much tzlacha with it amen amen yeah. thank you if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you would like to help us spread the word, give this video a thumbs up and a five-star review. Also, don't forget to ask your friends to subscribe as well. If you would like to partner with us and sponsor an episode, send an email to info at jfoundations.com. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. We will see you in the next video.